2: All
3: right,
4: it's a Tuesday. Let's get with it. Paris Denard going to start off. Uh, with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Simone is here in the studio. Good to have her here this morning. Uh, let's talk. Paris, the, if you if you listen to the President of the United States, man, the economy is roaring. It's Norton fire. It's just kicking butt right now. Well, uh, the interesting thing is you
5: can listen to Uh, The Biden administration say that, or you can be an everyday American living in reality. (laughs) Yeah, and
4: be be there at the gas pump and paying $65 every time you fill up. Or more. Or more, yeah.
5: Yeah, but the, the fact of the matter is $65 is too much for a lot of Americans, especially those on fixed income. And the reality doesn't match the rhetoric that the Biden administration are putting out, especially as it relates to this job report. I mean, look, our chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, put out a very important tweet. She said, under Trump, real wages declined only one month over four years. Under Biden, real wages have been negative for 15 months in a row. That's all you need to know about the, the, the element of contrast between Economic policies and what uh, the Biden administration has done: 15 straight months in a row, real wages have been negative. Yeah. It only happened one time in four years under under uh, under under President Trump. One Look. one month. And so, and so that that just tells you that even with this inflation, uh, you you have real wages being gobbled up because absolutely. You can't when you have inflation taking away all of your earning power your saving power your 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 ability to say yes i have a high salary great it doesn't matter because inflation is just eating all that away so you're back to where you began even if you got a raise it's hard for the american people
4: yeah get a little get a little raise a little over 5% but have inflation that's well over 8% that's a that's right. a lose kind of proposition
6: and you've got to plan when you make a trip out somewhere. Sometimes if you're on a fixed income, you have to decide when, what all am I going to do on this trip. I'm not going to take five or six trips to town.
4: Oh, that's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. People have changed that, that, that whole thing. If you're retired, you're in trouble right now. Yes. You really are. And, and the Biden administration knows it. That's why they don't want to talk about it.
5: That's right. They don't want to talk about it because you don't have to have a degree in economics from any of the top schools in the nation. Uh, all you have to do is uh, have, a, have a bank account. Checking all you have pockets. to do is have a job. And, and you feel it, and you see it every single day. And that's why these kitchen table issues, these pocketbook issues are still, no matter what poll you look at it, no matter what demographics you look at, no matter what part of the region you come from, Top of mind for the American people, they are looking at the situation and saying it's not getting any better. It's not pros- We're not prospering, and it's, and they're holding the Biden-Harris administration accountable for it because they know they're responsible for it. Despite them trying to say it's Putin or it's the, it's the, the gas company's fault or it's our fault because we drive too much, as they say, or we don't buy electric cars. Mm-hmm. All these things fall flat because the American people are experiencing. The, 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 how bad this economy is?
4: Yeah, nor uh, it used to be in the past that when gas prices went up, people went out and bought a uh, an economy car. Well, there's no economy cars out there to buy right now because the Biden administration screwed up the supply chain so badly.
5: That's right, and you know it's it, it's so. It's it's sad to have an administration be so disconnected from the reality of the American people. You know, if you're a a growing family, let's say a family of five or six, you can't go out and buy an electric vehicle because they don't have the room for that. You know, you you need space. And so we shouldn't be demonizing uh, the American people who buy cars that are economic based upon their needs. We shouldn't be telling them to drive less when we know that a lot of people need to drive in order to survive, (laughs) to get to work, to take their children to school, to take their family members to the hospital or to the, you know, doctor's appointments. You know, or if they're in the the gig economy when they drive an Uber or Lyft, you know, people need their vehicles to get around. And a lot of cities. It's just not feasible to take public transportation. It just won't work for your family. It's not safe. This is how insensitive the Democrats are today.
4: Well, that's because not everybody lives on the east or the west coast in the big cities. You know, they think everybody lives there. They don't even think about flyover country like where we live at. I mean, I drive in 35 minutes a day to get to work. I mean, that's just my normal com- uh, commute, and it's not because of traffic that it's 35 minutes. It's because it's 40
5: miles away. All right, and that adds up. You
4: better believe it, it adds up.
5: And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, because that, that's how the majority of Americans really live. That's how the majority of Americans are. And I think that these Democrat policies are so out of touch with, with the mainstream that it's going to backfire on them when it comes to the midterms because their policies aren't working at all. No. When you have when you, when you have, you know, 5.9 million unemployed Americans trying to find a job, you know, it, it, what are they to do? They, 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 these people are also voters. They are living in this economy. When you have 51% of small business owners saying that their job openings, they they have job openings, that they cannot feel more than double the 48-year average. You know, this is the majority of Small business owners have jobs they can't feel And so that has an impact on their ability to put food on their own table. That's costing more because of inflation. That's how the cycle works. It's not good for any part of the economy, any part of the, the growing sector that we have, be it the small business owner, the, 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 the parents, students, young people. all Everyone is impacted by this uh, economy that Joe Biden has created. All right. Our guest, Paris
4: Denard, he is the RNC spokesperson. He joins us this morning. I got time for one more question. So let me ask this. Yesterday came out 64% of Democrats don't want this president to run for president again. The chum is really in the water. Uh, Is it going to get ugly for the Democrat Party before the midterms?
5: Oh, definitely. The Democrat Party is in disarray because here's the bottom line. Democrats can't find seven, five to ten points to so what they've done to make the lives better for the American people under the Biden-Harris administration. If you can't look people in the eye and say, this is why the administration is great, this is what the administration has done to build back better, you don't have a rationale to run. Biden does not have a rationale to run, and Democrats are saying it's time to go.
4: Yeah, well, this is the worst that they've ever been sitting in since Lyndon Baines Johnson decided he wasn't going to run because of Vietnam. I mean, and then it was wide open as far as that, and we remember what that was like.
5: And this toll is before the midterms. Yeah. We anticipate that we're going to take back the House and the Senate. So you you know that's going to go up because nothing is – economists say recession's pending. So you have a pending recession. Republicans are to take back the majorities in the Congress, and the economy is no sign of getting better. Joe Biden is looking like he wants to run again. Democrats are saying no way. I bet that number goes up.
4: I bet you you're exactly right. Paris. Have a great day. I appreciate you giving me a few minutes here this morning. Thank you so much. Talk to you later now. Paris Denard here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He, of course, is the RNC spokesperson. He's been a part of this show for quite some time. PI Roofing wants you to know you need a roof. They're willing to put it on your house for you. Uh, I got to give them a call. I got a little area of my roof that I don't know if it's just because of the heat or what, but it's buckled. So I want them to come out and take a look at it and uh, I'm sure they'll fix it. If there's a problem with the, the shingles or something like that, we we'll get that all taken care of And uh, because they stand behind their work. They've stood behind it many, many times uh, for all different people. If anything goes wrong, they'll fix it for you. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, they make sure they fix it. And by the way, there's a lot of people in the Cabot area that is having problems with a couple of insurance companies that do not want to pay – to fix their roofs after the uh, uh hail storm that we had uh, you know late last year and uh, if that's you've been turned down uh here's what i'm going to suggest you do you give a call to pi roofing at 501-707-3551 and they'll come out and look at your roof and uh, work with your insurance agency see if they can get that rectified because uh they just don't think that you should have to, you know, live with possible leaks and things of that nature uh, because you went through a storm that just tore up a good percentage of the roofs in that area. Don't forget five oh one seven oh seven thirty five fifty one or online at piroofing.com. dot com. We are back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Had somebody uh, text me uh Asking if I had seen what State Senator uh, Alan Clark had said about a teacher's raise, and let me uh, let me get to it here, and then I'll try to read this to you so you can hear what they're saying. Uh, where is it now? I gotta find it. Dun, 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 dun. Bottom line: they they didn't like that Alan said about the teacher's raise. How come the governor has didn't understand this? Eight years ago, that teachers were quote underpaid. <laughs> so now he wants to raise teacher salaries in this special session and uh, saddle the next administration mm. with coming up with the money uh, to to pay for it. And I understand what the state senator is saying. You got to kind of think about what what the point that he made was, and the point was, hey. Uh, understand that if you raise teacher salaries uh, it's not going to just affect the state legislature, okay this is going to affect every school district across uh, the state uh, if if let's say if I say to you uh, Simone, I go, hey look, we're going to raise teacher salaries by four thousand dollars a year <laughs> okay. Well, that's easy for me to say on a state level. And what we're going to do is we got $1.6 billion sitting in the, the fund right yeah, now. So fun. And and we'll pay that money to you here this first year. Here's, your, here's the money to give it to the teachers, all right? But after that, it's the school system that suddenly has to add all that additional revenue To their budget, to their bottom line, and now you figure out how you're going to pay it the rest of the way out.
6: It sounds like a gift.
4: You can't do it that – well, uh, that's – here's what I've said. If, if the governor <laughs> – if the governor, Yeah, if the governor wants to go to the, the legislature and say, hey, I think we should make this a one-time pop, all right? Yeah. Like they did with the, with the police officers. I forget how much they gave right. them. It was like $1,500 or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. If you want to do something like that, let's talk about that. Uh, and, and do we want to do that? We want to say we're going to give every teacher a four thousand dollar bonus for this year, and then uh, you go, you're going to just have your regular pay going forward. Right. Uh, then uh, you got to figure, okay, then the the school system doesn't have to absorb four thousand dollars a year uh, in you know in as long as it lasts. Uh, out there. I just, you know, which means somebody's going to have to probably raise taxes. It sounds like me, it sounds like the governor is passing the buck and saying, well, we don't want to raise taxes uh, to pay teacher salaries. What we'll do is we'll give them four grand, we'll tell them that we're going to give them a raise, and then you pay for it. Right. You go to your Constituents in your area and tell them, hey, we got to have a, a, you know, some special kind of election. election. Yeah, special election uh, to to raise the millage so that we can pay that extra $4,000 a year. And you don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. So I understand what the state senator is saying there.
6: Yeah. I really I do. Too. I mean, you have to have my daughter's a teacher. So, I mean, she just started out at a new job. And of course, she's in Pennsylvania. So they get paid a lot better than. You do but here. the
4: cost of living in Pennsylvania right. is a hell of a it's lot outrageous. higher than it is here.
6: It's outrageous. So. See,
4: people don't want to talk about that. The cost of living in Arkansas is low because we don't make a lot of money, okay? Right. But, the, you know, that that's the market.
6: And that needs to be talked about when you talk about this in context with teacher salaries and everything else is the cost of living mm-hmm. plus... Value that you're going to get from, you know, possibly better teachers or better work.
4: Well, they don't, uh, people don't sit down and think about how this all works as far as the economy.
6: They think of a nice idea. Oh, this is a great idea.
4: Yeah, I'm not saying that a teacher doesn't deserve to be paid for their job, they do. But uh, if the people that you are serving don't make a lot of money, you can't expect that they're the ones that are going to be able to pay you a right. lot of money. If you want to make a lot of money, uh, you know, a lot more than what you're making here in Arkansas, move to some other state where you can make more money. Right. I know everybody's, Dave, you can't tell people to move. I moved all, my, all the time that I was here in radio. I I'm I was a gypsy for a long time. I've been a nomad. You know, I went where <laughs> the jobs were. That's what you got. I I had an argument with a guy when I worked in Kentucky. He was down in uh, an area where they, they did a lot of coal mining, and he called me up one day on my show and was was talking about I I I work all this heavy equipment and everything. I've I've got all of these licenses so I can do road graders right. and whatever, and uh, I can't get a job down here. And I said, well, where are the jobs at? And he says, well, they're they're up in Cincinnati, which was about. Two hours away, right. all right? Two hours. Yeah. Two hours away. And I said, Well, get a job in Cincinnati. Oh, no, I can't. My family's lived here forever. And I just said, Well, then eat on their food. You're stuck there forever, then. Yeah, no, you don't stay there. Right. You go know where you can make a living at. And Cincinnati,
6: if you want to stay there, then
4: shut up. Right. I mean, I'm sorry. I know people get upset when I talk that way. Well, no, but no, if you're going to complain. Seems, yeah, it just seems reasonable to me. And there's
6: a solution. Then take the solution.
4: Take the win. That, um, they don't want to. I want to live down here, but I want you to pay me like I
2: live up there. Right. It All don't right.
4: work that way.
6: No, cost of living.
4: Oh, man. Come on, people. Come on, use your mind. Personal,
6: ju- yeah, your discernment, discernment—that's the word I was now, thinking of earlier.
4: And and let me say something else. Look, my father taught me a long time ago that if wages go up, guess what? Costs will go up. Right. They are tied hip to hip. It's what is what he would have said, it's like and, he, and he's demand. exactly right. He he quit he quit being a part of uh the steel Workers union now by that i mean he didn't take part of being a, a steward which he had been uh in inside the steel mill he had to be part of the union if he wanted to work in the steel mill but they held him out uh, i think it was 55 that they had a big uh, strike and he used to talk to me about this all the time and they kept him out an additional six weeks for a nickel an hour for a nickel an hour and my father was furious because he said this they pay that extra nickel an hour and prices will go up six cents you know it's going to go up you'll never get you will never make unless you have uh, a talent a marketable skill that allows you to make a whole lot of money if you're tied to the market in what you're making basically here's the bottom line the cost of living will always stay ahead of you. The yeah. carrot will always be in front of you. you yeah. will You're never be, stick. You'll never be eating the carrot. You'll always be getting trying to get to the carrot. And he always said that. He says... They they want a nickel extra an hour and they're going to end up paying more for everything that they that they buy. Don't they understand just simple economics? They
6: look at the shiny objects
4: and listen to my my father had a third grade education and he understood (laughs) that. All common sense. Yeah, it's common sense. That's exactly what it is. So anyway, for everybody who thinks that you know teachers well we just need to pay them more i don't know if i'm i'm going to buy into that
6: well you need to figure out how it's going to be done i mean what's what the starting is.
4: pay for a teacher what's the starting pay i don't even know i don't I, know what I the think, starting uh, pay is you know i'm up in cabot i'm going to i'm going to think that teachers in cabot probably make more money than you know some pe- teachers in other areas of i know the state.
6: pennsylvania 60
4: grand 60 well i know it's not that much here <laughs> In well,
6: in her district where she's at.
4: Everybody would love to make sixty grand in, yeah. in Arkansas. That's just the way it that uh, the way it is. All right, we got news coming up here in just a moment uh, at the bottom of the hour. And we'll catch up on what's happening locally here. I, th- I heard that there was another murder uh, here in the area last night. We'll find out about that, I'm sure. Uh, Dan Turner's gonna join us in uh, the next half hour. He's the executive director of Power Of the future, we're going to talk to him about uh, energy here in the United States. We're going to talk to him about President Biden's trip over to the Middle East and his uh, groveling before the uh, the Saudis for more oil. And uh, after he called them pariahs all the way through the election the last time, so we'll see how that goes and see if he gets anything out of them. And why is he asking? Let's see. Let me think for a second. Uh, A couple of years ago, we were energy independent. We're not now. How come? Oh, the Biden administration. That's what it is. Uh, So we'll we'll talk about that as well. Simone's here. I'm here. You're here. And uh, let's catch up on the news. And they're here right now. All right, Dave Ellswick, with you along with Simone, and we'll be joining up with uh, Dan uh, Daniel Turner in just a moment, executive director of Power of the Future. I'm going to talk to him about energy here in the United States. Before I do that, let me remind you about David Lucas Financial. You know, you're trying to keep that nest egg that you got uh, together so that you have enough money to live on. I've been seeing all the articles out on the internet. Like, how much do you need when you retire? And I see the amount, and I go, man, I'm going to be working the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I sure not going to. I don't have that much money saved by any stretch of the imagination. But if you got a nest egg, you want to protect it with the inflation that we've got going right now. They're saying that the inflation number coming out tomorrow is probably going to be about year to year. 8.8%, and that's not including energy and food, the two biggest drivers of inflation right now. Uh, so just keep in mind that you need something to offset that. And they're saying precious metals, gold and silver, can help do that. But you need to know how to go about buying gold and silver. It's not like just buying a, a stock or a bond, it really is. There is a difference to buying that. And how much of it do you need for your particular nest egg? They'll say on average fifteen percent, but maybe you need twenty. Maybe you only need five percent. But uh, you need to know how you make that determination, and that's where David Lucas Financial comes in. Uh, they can help you learn more about buying silver and gold. All you have to do is call them, 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. Call them, get all the information that you need to know, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas registered investment advisor. And I've known David for over uh, 20 years. He used to be just a member of my morning show. Mm. Now he goes out and he helps people like you to make sure you got enough money to live the life you want to live and the American dream after you retire. So you talk to David Lucas Financial. His number, again, is 501 222 Fifteen, Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get to uh, uh, Daniel Turner. He's the executive director. He's the founder of Power uh, the Future. And, hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks for having me on your program.
4: Well, it's good to have you here today. Hey, the president's leaving for the Middle East. He's going to stop off in Israel. Then he's going to go to Saudi Arabia, you know, that, that pariah of a nation and uh, crown prince over there, and uh, try to talk them into giving him uh, more oil. Why is he going to Saudi Arabia to talk about that when, in fact, we used to be, as far as I remember, energy independent? We had enough enough energy in this country that not only could we power this country and power it in the future, but also sell it to other nations that needed it when they wanted to get out from under the thumb of the Russians and whatever. Uh, what happened? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. And we could return to that if if the Biden administration would just change its energy policies. Um, You know, I'll give them this bit of credit. They do realize that the high prices right now we're experiencing are the result of a shortage of supply. So they understand basic economics. They want to increase the oil supply. It's why he's going to Saudi Arabia. It's why he has sent emissaries to Iran and to Venezuela. It's just very bizarre that that supply, he doesn't think, should come from American oil and gas producers, when, as you just rightly said, if we were just allowed to do our jobs, we could produce enough to be totally energy independent and not need to go begging to the Saudi king or anyone else for their oil.
4: You know, it's interesting, in the race in in Georgia, they're making fun of Herschel Walker because he said dealing with energy – that we were following these energy policies, so, uh, and the Chinese aren't over there. They're right. burning coal left and right. And we're exchanging American clean air for dirty Chinese air. Do, do, do the people really think that the air that's over China stays right over China and never moves anywhere else in the world?
1: Well, that's what's pretty funny about the, the, the philosophy of the green movement, right? They, they want to convince us that this is a global issue and and all of the world is equally involved and uh, whatever happens, and if a butterfly flaps its wing in China, we're going <laughs> to feel it here in America. Right. Um, and if you're going to embrace that, well, then you have to say, okay, how come the Chinese are allowed to power all of their factories with coal, uh, their factories which make wind and solar, Um, And then we have to put up their wind and solar and not use coal here. Why do the Chinese get to have a stable electric grid? In all of the West, America, all of Europe is talking about looming blackouts. Get ready for the looming blackouts. It's going to be a bad summer, looming blackouts. China's never talking about looming blackouts because their electric grid runs on fossil fuels because they take their energy industry very, very seriously. And I don't want to emulate China. But I just wish our leaders were as serious about the electric grid as China is about theirs.
4: Yeah, we all remember, I would think, <coughs> excuse me, uh, not many years ago when the Olympics were in Beijing and how just terrible their air looked. In fact, I'm going to tell you what <laughs> their air looked like, what I grew up with outside of Gary, Indiana, when I was a kid. It doesn't look that way anymore because we we cleaned ours up. They haven't cleaned theirs up. And again, I don't understand why people think that, that nasty stuff that's over there is just hanging right there and not making yeah, its way it's all like over radiation. the world. Um,
6: radiation, and China always, everything else comes, moves. Yeah,
4: it all moves around. You're exactly right.
1: And China always gets away with this, right? China is the world's largest polluter of air pollution. They're also the yeah. world's largest ocean polluter. Um, yeah. Almost 90% of the, of the plastics and garbage in the world's oceans are dumped by china and it makes its way across the pacific and then we clean it up and what do we do in response we ban plastic straws and plastic bags and we say well it's because there's so much garbage in the ocean but we don't put the garbage in the ocean and i've asked many politicians and leaders Uh, You know, I grew up on on the beach in the Northeast. Um, I've never seen American beaches littered with plastic Mm. and garbage, but I do see them in Asia. So why are we punishing ourselves? And that's just the way the Green Movement has worked in America and, sadly, the way weak politicians work. They see what other countries do, and then they punish their own citizens as a consequence rather than either hold that country accountable or, or just remove them from the equation completely.
4: Well, let me give you another example of what we're talking about in natural resources. Uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman, hopefully if the Republicans take over the House again, will be head of uh, the committee dealing with uh, natural resources. He's been out in California uh, last uh, week or two trying to stop uh, the destruction of those giant redwoods out there that wow. have been around for a thousand years and the reason that they're you know now in in dire uh, trouble is because of the uh the green movement not letting them clean up around the trees and now you now the fires are getting up into the treetops and things of that nature wow. it's just, it, i always tell them i don't know if you remember pogo or not uh, daniel but Ogo was a comic strip in the newspaper that was every every day. And one of his major statements was we have met the enemy and he is us. And (laughs) and and that is exactly what we do in this country right now. When it comes to energy, we've met the enemy and he's us.
1: Yeah. And and what you mentioned about the the California in particular is is very important, because um, when you are a, a, a Democrat governor, you get to blame climate change for everything that you don't feel like getting your hands dirty with. And i got to tell you, if I was going to be governor, forest management is probably not the most exciting part of the job. That's so, right. you know, Gavin Newsom doesn't want to do it, and no governor before him has wanted to do it. But every time California has these terrible fires, and they really are terrible fires, they blame it on climate change. But yet no other northwestern states That's have true. this problem. You never hear Oregon having climate change. Forest fires, or or Northwest Nevada, or Southwest Idaho, um, it's only California, and and that's because California has terrible. Uh, uh, and management of its forests, and mostly because of just the sheer laziness of, of the governor. So, climate change is a wonderful foil. It's like blaming Vladimir Putin for energy prices. If you blame anything on climate change, you get to wash your hands and not have to get them dirty doing the real job of being a leader.
4: Well, Daniel, last question for you this morning here on the Dave Ellswick Show and that is whatever happened to the thought process that was going on in this country about everything when it came to energy? Solar, you know, hydroelectric, wind power, coal power, natural gas power, oil power, all of it let's do all of it and let's move forward developing other brands and what about nuke power nobody wants to talk about nuke power right. oh no Three Mile Island that happened in the 70s they don't even the, the plants don't even look that way anymore what is going on in this country can we not are we so myopic now that we can't look at everything
1: yeah and and it's it's very yeah. frustrating that it's, it's going to take an awful lot of of Um, hardship for American families and suffering for for politicians to wake up and realize that these games they've been playing with the electric grid have real consequences. Um, Electricity, we are so abundant in fossil fuels in our country that electricity should almost be I'm not saying free from a socialist perspective, but I'm seeing so low costs, so inexpensive. Because God has blessed us with the largest reserves of coal, natural gas, oil... Um, We should be producing enough power to run all of our factories, to to power all of our homes and businesses. Um, And the fact that this summer we're we're getting told to become accustomed to brownouts and blackouts. Amazing. You, You see articles. Prepare for it like it's inevitable. It doesn't have to be this way. All it requires is leadership once again.
4: Well, yeah. Let's go ahead and burn coal. We got scrubbers. We can get all the crap out of the the stuff that that's coming off the burning. I don't. It, it just amazes me that we've we've, we've got the cleanest ourselves. energy
6: in the world. We've got the cleanest LNG, and we've got the cleanest. And I love the the example of the plastics and the deforestation. And again, our energy. I mean, all three are such examples of ruinous and almost people who hate your country. You would have to almost hate your country to uh, want to do something like that. Yeah,
4: well, they wonder why we say that. And that's a pretty good reason for saying what we say.
6: I mean, those three things alone just show how much care they have for our country and the people that live in it.
4: Daniel, you got anything else you want to throw at my, my listeners? Like, what's your website so they can get information from you?
1: Uh, we are at com, and this is what we do is we support and advocate for American energy and American energy workers. I'm glad you, you mentioned coal because we have to get rid of this notion that our energy is dirty, that our energy is bad, that fossil fuels are bad. Right? That is the belief of, of the radical left that they've put on us. And and I'm not gonna play their game with their rules. I'm not gonna fight their fights with their language. Our energy is great. We do it better than any other country in the world. We're the cleanest country in the world, and we should unleash the power of all of our fossil fuels, bring our workers back to work, and make America great again. So that's what we're here for, and I'm glad to be on your show to advocate for these policies.
4: Thank you, Daniel. We'll have you on in the near future. Appreciate your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You have a great afternoon. Alright, we'll be back in just a few moments. i got to get a break in, and then uh, we'll finish up this hour. The Bible guys are standing in the wings right now. They're ready to go, and they've had some pretty good questions coming this week, and we'll get to those here in just a few moments. Don't forget about Pat Davis. We've been talking about inner We've been talking about the economy. Here's the economy. The economy is an easy thing to grasp. Are you making enough money to get by? <laughs> that's a pretty easy way to look at the economy. So I'm going to make it easy for you. When it comes to your health care, you go and talk to Pat Davis, and he'll say he's uh, going to save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance. And that's money you can use for other things like. Gas and food, which are costing you in exorbitant amounts right now. But you're going to have some extra money that you can put in your tank or you can put in your mouth. That's the way it works. Just give uh, Pat Davis a call and let him work with you. 501-605-6935. That's his number. 501-605-6935. Talk to him about how to get rid of big deductibles. Talk to him about how to get rid of copays. Talk to him about how the hospital may just send you a check for the cost of uh, service. All that is possible through Pat Davis. five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five 605 6935 or yourhealthplanman.com. All right, so uh, out in Arizona, a federal judge has temporarily blocked an Arizona law that had required the state to interpret all laws to grant civil rights to unborn children. U.S. District Court Judge Douglas Rays ruled that the 2021 Arizona law's personhood provision was too vague, making it difficult for the plaintiffs in the case to do their work as physicians in accordance with the law, thus violating their due process rights. Rays also wrote that the defendants were unable to prove the policy would not cause injury because of its vagueness in regard to abortion access. Now, understand. Okay, because you would say somebody is a person that might keep them from being able to have abortion, so that would cause that person injury. Damage. Okay, now that's what this guy is arguing. Uh, quote, a law is unconstitutionally vague if its application is so unclear that people of ordinary intelligence cannot figure out in advance how to comply with it, the judge wrote in his opinion. Uh, he added that granting an unborn baby the same rights as other people may constitute an abortion as a homicide. <gasps> You're really you'd be killing a live person and it might be a homicide. What? And
6: he hit the nail on Ooh, the head. What, right is there. That,
4: what What are we thinking here? Right. Yeah. Here is my my argument. But people say, well, it's not life. And I go, what are you made up of? They'll say it's just a clump of cells." All right, so what are you? I'm just a clump of cells, right? all right, just so happens that uh, you know my that clump that forms my brain is there. but all of that information to make me what I, to make me me in, that made me who I am yeah. in my in the womb is there from the moment of conception as soon as as the chromosomes Well,
2: and you can't. Bound together.
6: You cannot deny now, if you don't even want to take science, just look at your eyes. You cannot deny the ultrasounds they have out now. The ultrasounds are so graphic from when I had children that, I mean, it's amazing.
4: That's why abortion had already begun to fall, the the number, when uh, women... Uh, began to see that and it's women all right it's not guys guys don't get pregnant let's get that clear right from the beginning yeah birthing people do you can you think about how would rock and roll Heidi here's a good one for us (laughs) how would rock and roll been if you couldn't say mother that you had to say Birthing person. Birthing person to me. Da, 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 da. Um, you know, mama. You, mama. Mother. You can't say, yeah, mother. You're that birthing person. I mean, come <laughs> on. It just doesn't have the same sound to it. Yeah.
6: No, tell your children just, not to walk my way. <laughs> <laughs> birthing person. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that's
4: funny. That's funny. You're good. You're good. I, maybe I'll have you cut all those songs again using birthing person, and that, that would be that would be fun to do. That,
6: I can only pull Danzig off.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm just saying. Think about that for just a moment. What what this judge is saying is he's fighting a losing battle. Number one here, Biologists. And uh, have told us over millennium that once the egg and the sperm have come together, life as we know it begins. Okay? That's a life that is forming at that time. Can something go wrong? Yeah, something could go wrong. Yeah, Nothing can't take anything for granted, for granted anymore. But the bottom line is, people argue that it's not life i remember during the pro-life uh uh fight that we had for 50 you know odd years that uh, we were always fighting with people who would say but that's not that's not life dave and i'd, I'd always say okay so what will it become is it going to be a rock Right? Is it going to be a you know a rutabaga? I mean, what is it going to be? Yeah, some it, it, odd
6: object. Yeah, coming it's out?
4: going to be a person. It's going to form out of those cells.
6: And they're having trouble trying to find that so-called ten-year-old that had to cross state lines.
4: Oh, it's it's everybody's finding out now that that was a ruse. A BS. That that abortion doctor has been on the line many a time for telling lies. And it's coming out, and the Indianapolis Star should be totally uh, embarrassed because they did not do their due diligence on that yeah. story. All right, we've got to get a break. The Bible guys are coming in. Simone, thanks for coming in this morning. Yes, Always good to see you. Yes, we got sir. more coming your way. Stick with us here on the Dave with Show. this morning i love that day by day oh. i love that song really that was a huge hit when i was in high school oh really i bet you didn't know it was that old did you heidi yeah you know? uh, <laughs> she's, she's she's saying yeah i do dave i know you're old as dirt okay yeah i'm just saying it yeah everybody's saying i like it when they start clapping and stuff you know that's do you know what i'm talking about steve <laughs> phonograph I don't know uh, yeah, have you, have you, do you know have you ever seen Godspell? I have not I haven't either No it's great is it It was a six it was late 60s early 70s kind of version of bringing the parables to life on stage and it was really well done
2: well, Obviously yeah. I must look Older than I am because I wasn't born or I was an infant when that was happening.
7: Okay, well, <laughs> but God, Godspell is actually well, the, they probably bring this out in the thing, but Godspell is actually um, the word gospel. That they it used to be in the in the um, in the old English. It was actually this is why Godspell. I have him on my there show. You. Yeah. There you go, <laughs> and, and, and that, that's and uh, yeah, so they actually pronounced a uh, goad spell, which was um, which was a spell was story so it was god's story it's I mean, really that, a great music is it really
4: yeah it it's well done and um uh, they do the you know they do the crucifixion on stage uh-huh. but you know they don't drive the nails and all that they literally tie him to a chain link fence you know chain link fence yeah with red ribbons hmm. at his wrists and at his ankles and all that I means very yeah it's of, a, a new contemporary yeah. way of, of giving the gospel to people. It was well done, and it led a lot of people. It was to Jesus movement. Okay. Just telling you. All right. Just keep that in mind. All right. Anyway, uh, here is the first question. <coughs> I, I really enjoyed this one. This okay, is the first one I got for this week, in fact. I've seen several YouTube videos lately describing the Hebrew Roots Movement as cult-like. Their words, not mine. uh, And in parentheses, in parentheses, what do you think about that? Uh, They mentioned the amount of division caused by Hebrew roots people as one of the reasons it must not be a correct teaching system because it causes so much disunity within the body. People leaving spouses and families to move to Israel, no longer attending family gatherings uh, at Christmas, etc., and generally causing a breakup of the family. Can you guys speak to this? Let me just jump in by saying, you know, when Martin Luther came around... That caused a lot of families to break up. In fact, it caused a lot of people to be tied to stakes and get burned alive. Mm -hmm. All right, Uh, yeah. Disunity is not an indicative method, uh, or 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 something that's indicative to it being wrong. Right. Okay. So let me just turn it over. Start with Scott, and then, by the way, everybody is here. Everybody is here today. (laughs) Billy is here. Good morning. Steve is here. Steve is here from work. They they didn't. He's not working. Well, he's working, but he's not at work right now. And then Billy is here because they let him out of his house. Okay, so let's go ahead and ask Scott now.
7: Well, um, if you're going to – and I've heard stuff like this uh, as well. But if you're going – first of all, you have to ask yourself what a a cult is and what is the definition of a cult. And I think that this word is thrown around – Far too um, too easily, just like you know, people will, you know, there are some you know people who will will call uh, Republican they call them Nazis. You know, for, it's, it's, we make up the we don't know the definitions of words. We throw them around. These are hot button words that everybody gets upset about. Uh, most people don't know the word, word Nazi is actually an acronym. It's not a word, mm-hmm. and it stands for. Um, if I remember this correctly, it stands for uh, the um, the National Socialist Party. So if so you certainly couldn't call a Republican a Nazi because right. it has to do with someone who believes in socialism. It, it so so basically what it's, this is it's just is. Normally people are trying to deflect. If you don't know what the definition of, of a cult is, then you would certainly um, uh, be upset about this particular phrase. The idea that you would use um, the um, division as a, met- a metric to determine this is uh, is uh, is weak um, <clears throat> simply because there are. My goodness, I was raised um, Southern Baptist. But within the Baptist denomination we have Southern Baptist and Missionary Baptist <laughs> and General Baptist and Primitive Baptist and, and Second First Baptist. And, and, I mean, if you want to talk about uh division as a metric to determine whether or not something is a cult or not, then you have to swing this thing at uh almost every belief uh belief system there is out there. I think statistically there's like over 45,000 Christian denominations because people simply can't um, agree. Um, unfortunately um, for this person writing this uh, this, uh, this letter or this uh, email I don't think they have much uh, ground to stand on. Yeah, well, I'm agreeing with that. I'm, let's move over to, to Steve. The, I've dealt you know being a,
2: a pastor and leader within the Messianic community around here for the last I don't know 13, 14 years um i've had to deal with a lot of this i had to deal with people who were following a lot of the uh extreme views uh and i deal with it some of it online because i belong to a couple this forum and and whatnot but um like pastor scott said you can't use the extremes uh as something to the extremes or the division to say that they're they're cultish because well, one of the things we need to be aware of is we don't like when when things come and change. We don't like change, and we don't like what our mother and our father and our grandmother and grandfather, the things that we believed in for centuries, find out they might be some things that might not be wrong with them. And there was this guy that came along named Jesus, and he did something very similar, and he really aggravated the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they said, Why are you coming against the traditions of our fathers? So there are some things within the Messianic community that are um, just coming against some traditional things, and because it comes against traditional teaching, uh, it's viewed as extreme. And, and again, I will uh, concede that there is a, a lot of extremist views, so much so that another uh, a national leader um, released a video uh, talking about a couple of those things, and he goes, if this is the path that this movement is going, then I'm leaving it. Uh, because they were trying to put an end to some of these these just terrible rabbit holes that the uh, Messianic community was going down. Um, we uh, obviously believe a, a very balanced view to Messianic things. We often – the extreme view is that if you don't keep all of the law of Moses and, and the Sabbath and the feast and kosher and all of those things, that you're not considered part of the – Community of faith. Obviously, we don't believe that. We just encourage. You're people. saying community of faith. You're saying that you're not. Well, you're yeah. not. You're yeah. not saved. That you're not saved. Yeah. yeah so, so. And, and none of us. Believe we don't believe anything. that. No. We 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 encourage to say and try and get people to see the value and to see what has been taught uh, has been mistaught uh, about this really anti-law and anti anything Old Testament related. Um, that it hijacked a lot of the uh, you know first century understanding of things, so we we're just trying to get people back to that. Salvation only comes through faith in Messiah through grace. That's it. There's no works, right? How I mean, it's just you can't make it any more simple than that than what the what the New Testament itself says. Uh, we just say, hey, let me tell you how things are going to make a little bit more sense to you um, in the Feast of the Lord, right? And then what about? You think maybe God cares about what we eat, you know, if he gave all these things, but now all of a sudden he's like, hey, go ahead and eat this poo swallowing in, in animal. and wallering an animal, and he's now made it kosher, even though it eats its own feces and everything else. That's a good thing to eat. So we're just saying, hey, maybe there's some symbolism here that what you put into your body affects who you are. So we're just trying to make some points. There's a reason God gave these commandments, and we just think we should continue to observe them. Not for
7: salvation. I think that's a good point to to make because a lot of the, a lot of cults what they do is they they claim exclusivity uh, as far as a path of salvation or they or they add things to the plan of salvation or they deny what Jesus did um, so. Um, you know, or some secret knowledge to something. We don't have hold any of those uh, those Correct. type of uh, those type of things whatsoever.
4: I mean, cults will take scripture and they twist it. You're right. All right. I mean, let's look at uh, I don't know the, the the cult out there with David. All right, that they had, where they said uh, you should love your brothers and your sisters. All mm-hmm. right. Well, he took that and he took it from the love of of i care for my brother and my sister and i want to make sure they're taken care of and things of that nature and brought it into the whole eros area of i should be having sex with every woman that i come into to contact with right. Mm-hmm. Right. i mean that's that's uh that's what they what they did uh they changed things mm-hmm. yeah is what they do things and that clearly violate other scriptures. Yeah, yeah, and and that's not what the Hebraic system does. Here's what I found that the Hebraic uh, teachings have done: they have added to my beliefs. Mm. In, in Christ. good
7: way you're talking about. Yes,
4: in, yeah. in good in good ways, and in, in 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 showing me it in its fullness instead of uh, in its bare bones way,
8: which mm. I believe that's what. Uh, the seminary did for me. Yeah. Well, and, and so the thing that we do primarily, I think, the the spotlight for the last couple of thousand years has been directly on the old uh, on the New Testament, kind of ignoring the Old Testament. <clears throat> but again, the New Testament without the Old Testament is walls and a roof without a foundation. So the problem with the Hebrew roots, roots movement is when it discovered the foundation was missing, it wanted to tear down the walls and the roof and just look at the foundation again. And it's like, look, we we discovered that the walls and roof were not great without the foundation. But guess what? You get rained on if you just had the foundation and no walls and roof. So there's there has to be this balance. And the the accusation is is wrong, but not entirely wrong, right? There is some wacky stuff yeah. within the Hebrew Roots Movement. Yep. Well, but there are some wacky stuff within, the, within Christianity Absolutely, as a whole. Yeah. Now, the one thing I would like to address here is the source of authority here. Mm-hmm. I saw videos on YouTube. Well, me too, and some of them claim that the Earth was seeded by aliens, that we didn't come from God, and that the Earth is flat. Mm-hmm. So really cautious about accepting authority from YouTube? Um, yes, thank you. Thank you for making a, that point. It gives a voice to anyone who's got yeah. a camera. So um, I love the the very sharing world we live in, <laughs> but you have to be able to filter out the silly stuff. Yeah, we'll hit that when we come back
2: from the
4: break. Yeah, we got to come back from the break, and let's talk about you take and you break everything upon the word yeah mm. all right and we need to talk about that all right heidi let's go ahead and get our first break in the bible guys are here if you got a question you can call in with it uh our number is 501 and we'll be happy to spend some time with you and then we got other questions that people have sent to us here on the dave ellswick show back with
2: you on the dave ellswick show steve you wanted to pick it up here I don't know. What were we talking about? YouTube. The authority <laughs> of YouTube. <laughs> yes. YouTube. We, yeah, we were talking about um, what I commonly refer to as Rabbi YouTube. Um, oh, man. <laughs> there, it is – I can't even begin to tell you how important study and proper study is, understanding that the Bible is a 100 – percent literal document but that 100 percent literal document is transmitted through allegories and metaphors and idioms and has cultural and historical and linguistical things that describe that literal story so if you don't know how to read it then all of a sudden you get somebody that quote-unquote gets a revelation from god they spent a couple bucks and put up a youtube channel and now they're they're considered authority because somebody saw it on their phone You need to find uh, proper teaching, Mm -hmm. and and that's one of the things that has happened. I mean, like Billy was alluding to, you got the flat earthers, the anti-moonlanders, the everything from everything out there, and the same thing is happening, and it's happening a lot within our community. I've been listening to these people who are trying to put up false representations of God's name because they never took a Hebrew class, but because they watched a video about how the rabbis really kept secret the name of God. And here's what the real name of God is. And now you can go to 10 different channels and see 10 different versions of that name from people who've never studied the Hebrew language. It's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's very very frustrating. And part of it makes, what makes it difficult within our community is there is not one single authority. And the other, and what makes that difficult as well is we are Americans. Hmm. We're not going to be told by anybody, and so it's it's very difficult to deal with. It really is. I'm just being straight up here because I have tried here within Central Arkansas to try and bring some of the groups together <clears throat> so that we can at least have a common ground to talk about things. But it's it's not been very fruitful. Uh, and it, part of it is is because I mean, it, one we're Americans, but two we're coming outside of 1,900 years of tradition. And you have to be somewhat, you know, bold and strong-willed and a little stubborn to come outside of those. And so it can be very difficult to navigate.
4: Well, a lot of people want to teach a whole lot of stuff, but very few people want to quote Scripture to go along with what they're teaching. Yeah. You know, if, if you say something on a YouTube channel, if you don't back it up with Scriptural references and explain those Scriptural references and what they mean – i'm going to move on right, yeah. <laughs> i mean i'll be honest right. with you'm I'm, I'm i'm moving on and doing doing other things i My big thing about Hebraic roots is this. The Christian, many people who just call themselves Christians, I call myself a Judeo-Christian, mm-hmm. okay? That's what I am. I'm a Jewish Christian. Paul says I'm a Jewish Christian. Mm-hmm. He says it in the Scripture that I'm a Jewish mm-hmm. Christian. I have been grafted into the original vine. Yep. The original vine is Jewishness, yep. all right? It's Jew- uh, Judaism. And so I've been grafted in that. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm Jew that way. I'm not by birth, but I'm Jew that way. Yep. I'm adopted. Yep. All right. That's right. That's so right. hey, I just uh, I get upset when people just want to blow off Judaism like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. That just freaks me out. I don't I don't get it. I'll be honest. I didn't get it until somebody taught me. Yeah, right. right. Because right. within Christianity,
7: they don't teach you that. Basically, right, right. And I I found that whenever people are starting to learn about these things, and particularly those in um, in places of authority. Excuse me. <coughs> he was sick last so Thank yeah.
4: you for not coughing on the microphone. You're
7: <laughs> if you, uh, uh, if if it if it, many times people perceive it as being it, it, it threatens them because it's something that they don't know. Yeah. So they're they're more apt to try to defend their, their themselves. And the best way you can defend yourself is by it to either belittle or put down the argument that's coming in, mm-hmm. coming towards you. So that's this is where humility comes in, where you submit yourself to what the scripture says. Or even worse, if what they teach you. Bends what
4: you've believed mm-hmm. for yeah. years, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I my my favorite uh, thing that that uh, Scott has taught is talking about you know the ravens and and all of that and mm-hmm. feeding and it's like if you just take a moment and think about it, there's not a Jew alive that would allow a raven to feed him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. it's, unclean. it's unclean bird. Yep. Yeah. All right, sure. so it, it just made sense to me. We we've got to under it's like you were saying,
2: Steve. You've got to understand the Bible from all the different angles, yeah. you know? And you have to be honest enough when something is not certain to accept the uncertainty. Right, right, right. And so instead of forcing what you believe in it, and if a scripture can be read two or three different ways, then you have to go, we can't say emphatically, about yeah. this and accept that and, but, and not go, well, I believe this is what
8: it means, and then f- try and force it because it's yeah. what you believe. Americans have a problem with the statement, I don't know. Right. We really do. We, we, we don't want to, in, a, in, a, in an environment, in a world where uh, meritocracy is important, right, where we are evaluated, our worth is evaluated based on how accurate we are at times. Americans have developed a fear of saying, I don't know. And as a result, we carry that into the religious world as well, and we must have an opinion, right? I must have an opinion, and it has to be definitive, and I can't say, well, it could be this or it could be that. Um, And that unfortunately leads to a whole lot of stiff necks um, and the inability to. People, by and large, are lazy. (laughs) And it's like, I have an opinion. And to challenge that opinion means I've got to go do a whole bunch of work and research, right? And people just don't want to do that. They'd rather be comfortable with what they know. How many people yep. sitting in the pews even cracked their Bible
4: they during the week? They don't. I'm they, just saying. They don't. Yep. And, I mean, I believe in the priesthood of the believer as well, but I don't believe that you just crack your Bible and start reading, and all of a sudden God gives you unlimited knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he does. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't do that. I'm just saying that that's typically not the way it works. You well, know, there
7: is there is a um, I think uh, going back to us being Americans. You know, we have we, you know Americans are so independent, so independent. But you know, the problem with that is that Christianity is interdependent. Interdependent. Amen. We are all dependent upon each other. I can't say if you know the, the hand can't say the foot. I don't have need of you. We're we're in. We've been made interdependent upon each other. Our society teaches us that we're independent of each other, and then what happens then is then you try to try to take your Americanism into a church setting and you can basically say well i don't have i don't need to be here I can sit at home and just do this online all the time because I don't really need anybody else and then we've imported our our culture into this. We do. Especially if you're going to be in any type of leadership position, uh, you need to have someone who is um, a mentor to you in some fashion. I mean, I, th- I think about the Apostle Paul. Here's a man who was already uh, – he was he worked for the Sanhedrin. He was uh, a great rabbi in himself. He said under Gamaliel. He was the a man. The high. He was the man. However, what did he say? He said, you know, I get this revelation from God. But then I went up to Jerusalem to mm-hmm. submit my revelation to mm-hmm. those who were of reputation to make sure that I had not run my race in vain. Very good. Do we even see any, anywhere close to anyone having that type of um, position today? That's a good question. All right. Let's take a break.
4: We'll get caught up with Bill O'Reilly. Then we'll come back, and we're going to talk about something that's mentioned in the Bible quite a few times. Fasting is next. Here on the day, I was just sitting here. Anyway, I was watching uh, a blow-up the other day on TMC, And it's about a photographer during the 60s who uh, is taking pictures. And he starts, he says, what's that in the background of that picture? And he starts blowing this picture up. And by the end of the scene, he's got a picture that's blown up the size of a wall. All right, so like, And you can see a murder happening. In the background of this picture, mm-hmm. and he because he couldn't figure out who was trying to kill him, and that's what was happening, they were trying to kill him to get the negative of this picture. Wow. So, anyway, they, they, you go through this whole thing, but what's interesting is to watch a movie that was made in 1966 and watch the cultural references within the movie and what was going on during the late 60s. And the questions that they were asking and the way that they were living is no different than uh, the sexual questions that are being asked today. Steve and I were just talking about that because I was saying – People say, "Well, how do you know so much about what's happening? Because I lived through it already. Right. I, I lived through it with Carter, and I lived through it, uh, you know, in the late sixties. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen this story before. This is just Hollywood repackaging it again, so, right. so to speak. But anyway, I'm, I was watching that, and my wife looked at me. She goes." they really would like the women didn't wear underwear and didn't wear bras and I said where were you <laughs> <laughs> and she looked, she gets really upset when I say that and I said do you don't remember the burn your bra movement or anything you don't remember Steinem or any of those people and what they were saying. And she goes, "Well, that's not the way people acted." I said, "I didn't say it's the way that people normally were acting. They showed you that at the beginning of this movie. Right. They show people coming out of the factories and stuff, living their everyday existence, and then they saw this guy who was taking the pictures for all the the mod magazines back in the day, and they had the the dresses that looked like they just threw a piece of a uh, fabric over the woman and she didn't have any clothes on underneath. Oh. All right, that that's the way it was back yep. then. Yep. Those people didn't walk around the middle of London dressed that way. Mm. You know, now they may have gone someplace that they were having a party, a right. cocktail party, and and then everybody said, "Oh, look at them! Yeah. That's amazing!" You know, of course, the emperor had no clothes, but the bottom line was yeah. that's it was happening mm-hmm. in small areas, but everybody thought it was happening everywhere yeah. because it was in the fashion magazine.
8: Yeah. And right. that's that's the way today's world is with all of these weird things, right? You would if you watch television, which i have by and large given up because it's so ugh, these days. You know, you've got you've got eight characters I like who are that. the. That's a yeah, great way just, to <laughs> You've got eight characters who are the main characters, and six of them are either you know gay or trans or something. You go, oh well, then obviously seventy five percent of the world is. It's like no no no. And no, people no, take no, no. that
5: for, about, for
4: gospel about, yeah.
8: about a percent and a half. That's you know, right, and that's that's Not on the that much. That's on the generous side of the estimates, and it's like you know you've got this very very vocal minority, and because they are so vocal. Uh, and we, we come from a world where just 10 years ago, you had to be a fairly large group of people to have your voice heard. And now we hear everybody's voices. So we still got this thing in our back of the head, in the back of our, our lizard brain back there that says, if we can hear their opinions, they must be a fairly large group. And it's simply not true anymore. So What's a lizard brain? And that is, that's your ego. That your is super yeah, ego. That is, that is the part of the brain that is uh, all about me, 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 me. Right. So your, your lizard brain is saying, "Why do you hey. think I'm so concerned about it?" <laughs> <time? laughs> no, they call it. They,
4: say they call it the
8: lizard. Yeah. The, the, the lizard brain back there. You got your monkey brain, your lizard brain. You've never heard of this before? That's why I'm Jim Morrison well, so, called himself the lizard king. But you really have, and I actually taught on this a couple weeks ago. What's the difference between nefesh and neshama? Right. Even even God at the very beginning, back in Genesis, described us as this dual creature right a, a creature that has these base needs and base desires and one that is called to higher things so ta-da okay moving along go. yeah good morning you see what i'm dealing with that's yeah, cool yeah. i like i like what he's
4: what he's saying there he's 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 right on you're, you're right there, man. Don't, don't do that. that.
2: Don't encourage you. Hey, see if I reach back here, Oh, okay.
4: Don't don't encourage you. Okay, I don't know how not to encourage. All right, I'd like to ask the Bible guys about fasting. Is it really something that should be a part of my life on a monthly basis, or is it something I should do yearly? Also, what is the benefit of
2: fasting other than being obedient? Hungry. now we we, uh our congregation uh, fast every thursday together Uh, and it's there's a lot of reasons for it Uh, sometimes you can get extreme with it and and i would recommend anybody that's considering that that they be cautious um, because you really got to be called to it because you can really hurt your body Mm -hmm. but in the first century explain you just said it's, you're being called to it. Yeah, Explain what. Well, that because means. then you'll be given the divine ability to be able to endure it. Not everybody. You get all these people who say, "Well, I'm going to do a 40 day fast." Well, there's only three people mentioned in the Bible that did that. So you can't have a million people out here running around saying that I'm supposed to do a 40 day fast, right? Because it it, it will uh, it can kill you. Uh, it can really cause a lot of problems with your body. Any long-term fasting can do that. So you've got to you got to really do some research on it. Uh, but in the first century, I believe it was uh, twice a week, mm-hmm. uh, and they would not they weren't quite twenty four hours. It was basically uh, sun up to sundown that the uh, the first century um, Judaism would uh, fast uh, Wednesday and Fridays, or I can't remember which days it was, but it was two days a week. And, and the benefits of it <clears throat> are you get your mind cleared. Right? when we talked about food, food is mentioned quite a bit in the Bible the first right. commandment was don't eat that mm-hmm. right here's a tree don't eat that so the, even
4: if it looks really good right yeah. even if
2: it looks good just don't <laughs> eat that and there's a lot of commands that God gives about food and the food can affect your body it can affect your mind it can affect your emotions right there are certain people that think they're not well and all they needed was to have a little protein for breakfast or some carbs or whatever the case is anyway um y- y- when what you eat can affect uh not just your moods but i think there can be some spiritual implications of that, and that's why god gave um some of those commandments but it's really just a form of discipline because your yeah. flesh fights back and goes no 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 and then your stomach starts hurting because you're like hey i'm hungry well what you find the reason god pushed for people to fast <clears throat> was because it would clear their mind. And when you clear your mind and your spirit, you can actually hear God because you're not giving in to the will of the flesh. You can hear God. Okay. It, I think we got to go back
4: and and explain that you're really two people. Once you're born again, you're two people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's your physical body, yep. your fleshly body, and then suddenly now you're put back together again yep. with the spirit realm. Yeah. Right. And you you can see and
2: feel that spirit realm. Yep, yep. And most of the time we think this idea of fasting comes from that we're trying to show God how hungry we are so we can convince him to do something for us, and it's actually the opposite. Right. I mean, you can see a reference to that because uh, Esther commanded a three-day fast because she was getting ready to go before the king. And so Mm -hmm. there is an aspect of of going before God saying, look, I'm serious about this. I'm denying myself because I need you to move in a situation. I need you to hear my prayer. But most of the time fasting is to clear your spiritual person of the fleshly person so yeah. you can then hear the voice of God.
7: Yeah, it's not It's not. I'm going to fast and thereby twist God's arm to do something for me that I want I him like, to, I to like do. I like
4: that. It says that you're going
7: to force, force God, God to do yeah. something. It really is a way of of us drawing near to the Lord by by putting down the voices of our flesh so that we are able to hear more clearly the voice of the Spirit. I just, I'd like to read just a, a couple of verses of Scripture Good. here. I like it when you bring Scripture into <laughs> the discussion. So um, in verse eight, 18 of uh, Mark 2, it says, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting then they came and said, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Okay, good right. question, huh? And when Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? Right. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away and then they will fast in those days. See, as long as the bridegroom was with them, as long as Messiah was near, and they had this instant access to him, instant ability to talk to him, instant ability to hear from him, there wasn't a need for them to be fasting. It was a time to rejoice because they were with the bridegroom. So it is a way, it's a part of of mourning. We're, We're sad because we're not present with him, but at the same time, it's a way of Drawing near to him so that we can have that access and have that hearing and have that uh, knowing. There, So um, this is one of the reasons why people fast during Yom Kippur, because it's a mourning time. It's a, a time of sadness. But here, Jesus says, as long as the bridegroom is with them, they cannot fast. But when the bridegroom isn't here, they will. So in other words, we could say, one of the reasons why we fast today is because the bridegroom isn't here. That's right. right? right. That's why we do it. And we do it so we can find a way to put our flesh down so we can raise our spirit so we can draw close to the bridegroom and have his attention like they did in the days of the uh, the disciples. Okay, so yep.
4: there's a little bit of extra stuff in here. It says, should we be fasting on a monthly basis, or is it something I should do yearly? I can put,
8: is it something you should do weekly? Yeah, so um, I, I teach a lot on fasting. I fast a lot. Um I, I try in any given year to fast two months out of the year. And that's obviously not two months back to back. But that's weekly fasting as well as some longer fasts during the year. Um, going back to the original question, um, if you are not accustomed to fasting, I would never recommend longer than a day fast. And if you're going to do dry fasting where you're not doing water either, never longer than sunup to sundown. Without some, You need some medical expertise or someone to assist you with that. Don't do it. Even if you're just doing food, Um, Unless it's something that you've done a bunch of and know how your body will react, I would never recommend longer than three days. Just don't do it. You need some help. You need to know how your body reacts. Now, I never talk about fasting without also talking about prayer, and here's the reason. The effectiveness of fasting comes from the fact that, how long does it take you to eat breakfast? 20 minutes? Maybe an hour-long lunch break? 45 minutes to have dinner with the family in the evenings? That's two hours a day. If you take those two hours and turn them to prayer because you're fasting, um, that's the vast that's more than the vast majority of christians do in a week sure maybe in a month and that's that is the real power of fasting it's a matter of saying to god hey look maybe we're not where we should be or maybe this is part of my weekly routine and i'm going to set aside my necessary food to feed on that which is even more necessary which is the word of god Mm -hmm. and intimacy with the father
4: yeah all right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll finish up a discussion about fasting here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Bible guys are here. Again, 501-823-0965 is the phone number. Back on the Dave Ellswick Let's go back to fasting just for a few more moments. So as far as the Bible is concerned, guys, how does it promote fasting is something that you feel led to do or is there a a basic yeah once a week you should do or once a month you should do is there i mean there's some teaching that would you know on other things that would say you do it then and you do it now and that type of stuff what about fasting is it more of a just a wide open it's up to you Um,
8: it's really a yes to both of those yes there are there's a discipline of fasting um which okay. was traditionally twice a week. Um, okay. And then there are fasts to which you are called. Um, so there are you know, the, the Esther fast, which was three days. There were seven-day fasts, 21-day uh, fast, and 48 fasts. Those are the ones that are represented in Scripture. There were others that we don't know the times on, but th- all of those, all of those that were beyond a single day, um, the Spirit led people to fast for that length of time. So, um, yes, fasting should be part of your normal discipline and yes occasionally the spirit knows what's going on right far beyond what you know and sometimes you'll be fasting uh, there, there have been times when i've been fasting and i know for a fact something's happening in the spiritual realm i got no idea don't know it don't really even sometimes know who or what i'm fasting about but you'll feel the break in the spirit and it's like well god said i'm done fasting so whatever it was has obviously come to a resolution so um, that's if you'll start with the discipline of fasting then the call to fasting becomes easier. When the call comes, you'll be prepared. You know, you don't you don't walk out onto the professional football field without having worked out first, right? So the discipline of fasting is preparing yourself for when the spirit calls you
7: um, onto the battlefield. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think that's what Steve was meaning when being called being called to it. You need to have a prompting to to fast for any length of any length of time. All right. Is it about Specifically
4: about obedience. That's what the, the whenever, questioner is also I asking. I think whenever
7: you when you feel a, a calling to to do it, then it is a matter of obedience to that to that prompting. When you have it as a set um, pattern of your of your life, I think it's more of a um, it's more of, of of a discipline. It's like it's like you know, <clears throat> I might not feel called to uh, read my Bible every. Day, but I'm going to do it because right. it's a part right. of my daily discipline that I <clears throat> that I do, um, and um, and so I think that regular fasting is a part of that. Uh,
2: There's discipline. a word that Pastor Scott there used that most people in church can't stand, and it's called discipline. <laughs> discipline. <laughs> uh, right. That you must discipline your flesh. Right? We there is a struggle that is still happening. Once you give yourself over to the Lord. Then I would argue the the uh, struggle becomes weird. Or, I mean, comes worse. Um, that that doesn't mean you start whipping yourself. No, stuff. it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I I jokingly say from time to time it was easier when I was a uh, uh, when I didn't have a conscience and I was a drunk, right? Because I didn't care. Now that I care and I listen to what the Spirit of God is saying when He's trying to get me to line up more with His Word, then that means there's times where He's going no. Stop that, you need to go talk to that brother or that sister. You need to do things that are uncomfortable, and denying yourself food is uncomfortable and oftentimes, in the denying of the flesh, you will find out that your spirit has been overfed in some areas that 's why you deny the flesh, so then the spirit will then the I would argue that the the real manifestation of your spirit will come out right because then God will be in Oh well, you're st- you're tearing away the natural man right. at that point. And then so that's why I think that it's it should be a part of our lives uh because you you see uh those references Uh, When God uses the term about fatness coming upon the people, it's because they have not listened, and now they've become lazy, if you will, both spiritually and physically and all of that. So it is something that we should do, but you have to pray and see what the Spirit of God is leading you Mm. to do. But you walk very slowly into it because it can have serious Effects on your body if you go. Well, I'm going to jump into a 40 day fast. You'll be dead probably in 30 days. Yeah, right? I think
7: I think uh, Billy uh, made a, made a good point that when you are fasting, you have to be intentional with it, mm-hmm. and that you're meant you're not meant to just go without food and then go about your life right as right. normal. I mean, you don't go without food and, then, and go out and then uh, and plow a field.
2: Right, for if example, because he Billy taught on fasting about two months ago before we started this, you know, this uh, weekly thing for the church. And one of the things he said in that was, if you don't put it together with prayer, he goes, then all you're doing is just being
8: hungry it's a diet, right.
7: you know, to it's diet, just To diet, point. Right. starvation so, diet. Yep, that's all it is. Okay, so you have to be you have to be intentional with it. So if someone is thinking of, of fasting, you have to say, okay, if I'm going to fast, this is what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to to go out and and plow a field i'm not going to you know uh, you know go up and uh and reroof my house i'm not going to i'm going to set this time aside and instead of eating i'm in prayer instead of instead of uh snacking i'm i'm in i'm in scripture reading and i'm not well, gonna... so here's what i'm hearing how I mean, look
4: i'm going i'm i'm going to do this fasting and this is to con- to connect me with my spiritual self mm-hmm. absolutely yeah when you're talking about going about life, you got your body you got to take care of right, and yep. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're fasting, you're opening up maybe wavelengths you've never opened up before. Yep. Right, right. You might get surprised. Yes, And you will. Yes, you will. absolutely. <laughs> yes, right. you will. Might get surprised about all of that. That's this is the this is when we talk about things that we're talking about right now that i i get excited about because i feel sorry for pastors sometimes that preach because when they stand up in front of the congregation they're talking to the unsaved they're talking to the carnal christians and they're talking to the spirit-led christians mm-hmm. and they're all taking that information in different, different ways that different. Yeah. So. makes it difficult for yeah. you scott yeah. And and
7: Steve and and, and Billy. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's not what you say, but it's what they hear. Yep. <laughs> and <depending, laughs> and they're going to hear it differently.
4: <laughs> where
2: they're at.
7: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whatever their filter is is how they're going to hear it. Yeah. Also, yeah. another aspect if I can
2: start this real quick, and that is, if God can trust you to do these things, then oftentimes you'll be asked to fast for something else and intercede yeah. for others. So if he, can, if he knows that you're going to listen to his voice and call you to do these things, then he may say, I need you to pray and fast for this. It may not even tell you what it is. You just put it upon your heart to just fast and then be in prayer, and it's actually for something that could be completely unrelated to you. Yeah. All right. Wraps it
4: up for this week. I've, I've done my part that I felt led to do for my show, and that's once a week to offer some spiritual guidance to everybody because a man is not just physical. Uh, It's spiritual as well, and you need that as Mm -hmm. one of my listeners, and I need that as even being the guy who just sits here on the other side of the microphone. I appreciate all three of you guys. Thank Thank you. Thanks Thanks so much for being here. We'll do it again next week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. to the 9 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you along for the ride today and uh, hope that uh, you're ready to go here in the 9 o'clock hour with our special guest, State Representative Mary Bentley is going to be with us. Uh, Mary had a tough uh, primary challenge this year and uh, survived it and will continue on as the state representative in that area. I mean, basically, you had a whole new uh, uh, district, did you, Mary, that you had to go out and introduce yourself to the folks and everything?
3: did, Dave. It was a very, I got moved away from 90% of my voters with a pretty much a whole new district. Thankfully, a good portion of it was in the county I've lived in for the past 45 years. So that was, that was helpful. So I had good, good support here in Perry County. Uh, Saline County was new for me, but uh, thankfully to your show and many others, a lot of people in the state know who Mary Bentley is. So uh, the, we did great in Saline County. Of course, Yale County that I've had for a while, those folks were phenomenal. Got 75 to, to 80% of the vote over there. So the, the tough part was uh, Faulkner County in the Conway area. It was new. My opponent came from there. It was a JP from Faulkner County. Mm-hmm. So she'd lived there all her life and was known over there. And 45% of the vote was in Faulkner County. But, uh, you know. Dave, I went out door knocking, and folks were just very glad to see uh who I was. I had a map made because the districts were new to everybody. I mean, people were clueless who their state rep was. So uh, I think the Lord gave me a good idea of printing a map of what our new district looked like and there's some things on the back of who I was and what I stood for. And, you know, when you have a good track record, people tend to know – uh get behind you quickly so has uh, i mean god put people out there strategically in mayflower in different areas i just uh, saw it all come together so i was i think i knocked on nearly four thousand doors and at the end of the day most folks were taking those mailers and putting them in the trash and that door-to-door really uh really paid off
4: well we were talking about you yesterday had jason rapert on and we were uh, uh talking about you i don't know if your ears were burning or not but we <laughs> know. you know he was talking about when you went out and knocked doors for his senate campaign and he was very appreciative of that and and was talking about where he's heading now that he's not a state won't be a state senator any longer after the the first of the year and he's excited about uh, the new organization that that he's working with you're excited about this new district that you have uh so it's going to be it's going to be an exciting 2023 coming up and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that first of all let's talk a little bit about the election that's coming up in november how are you feeling about that
3: well you know for me i don't have an opponent so i'm, oh, okay. I'm feeling good yeah no I'm, I'm completely done there so thankfully i'm already focusing on things we've got so much to work on dave i don't have to tell you that or your or your listeners but between law enforcement and education and our economy there's just a, a plethora of things i'm already working on and digging in so yeah i've really uh, been on the phone a bunch this morning already in between fixing a water leak at my house but anyway it's been a. Uh, i'm excited but i've we're fine here, but there's a number of people who want to make sure that we get, you know, a good turnout for good folks to get elected in November. But, you know, the more Joe Biden does, the better the Republicans are going to look <laughs> in, in
5: Arkansas.
4: So. I, was, I was talking to uh, State Senator Alan Clark and uh, Kim Hammer a couple weeks back, and they both say that this is going to be the most conservative legislative session that has ever occurred in arkansas and i and I think I agree with that i've I've said all along that uh, Governor ASA Hutchinson was the perfect I, I think bridge uh, between uh, Democrat rule moving to Republican rule but now you guys have uh, got your sea legs and you're ready to go and you're going to have a great uh, uh, republican uh, uh, governor to work with, I believe, and Sarah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what's the caucus feel like? I mean, I know you guys have gotten together and, and you're starting to talk about what 2023 is going to be about because you're less than six months away.
3: Right. Well, I think that, you know, the more that I'm with Sarah Sanders, the better I feel about Arkansas. I'm really excited about her enthusiasm to do, as you said, bold things. And I think the caucus is ready. We've got enough experience. We've looked at the budget. We're really seeing what's going on with state agencies, and we're ready to make some bold moves and make some changes that have been needed to be made in Arkansas for a while. I'm excited about what we can do for for education, uh, bold things, not just small things, but just really some things and try some new ideas that have not been tried elsewhere. Uh, I'm just—I'm excited about uh, Sarah Sanders being our new governor. I think if we have a good governor that's moving in the right direction, at the caucus it's going to get 100% behind her. I just really feel that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about in. it. I yeah, yeah. I'll just make some bold moves, and I think that we have got people that are—you know—have fought some hard primaries, and have got have the voice of the people behind them. we were ready for some real bold changes in the state. Uh, we've got some crises going on. We've got to fix things.
4: Yeah, well, I had I've had on Robin Lundstrom, I've had on um, uh, Julie Mayberry. Now I'm having you on, and and let me tell you the same thing that I told them is that uh, and and I I don't want to leave the senators out either, the female senators, in uh, you know uh, Missy and and Brianna and some of the others over there in the Senate. But the bottom line is the Republican conservative Republican women really. St- Stepped up up over the last four years?
3: Well, you know, Dave, when we did the dream big thing, I hadn't. And we we didn't know the pandemic was coming, but thank God we did what we did with broadband. If we had not done what we did with broadband, these cities and counties would not have been able to get the funding that they been able to do. We never would have moved broadband forward as quickly as we did. So it was really, you know, I just stand back in amazement. I guess God knew it was coming. But we got that broadband done, uh, a number of different things that we worked on as a Republican. woman, just working together on things that are important for the state, we know what our constituents are concerned about. And if we can all get together, it's really uh a nonpartisan issue. It should be everybody on board working together. I think that's what we found, and we all stuck together, made things happen. Did some good research. You know, it didn't come out there with just rhetoric. We came out there with some solid data, and this moved bills forward quickly. So yeah. I think we're going to do get the exact same thing next time, just get some real, you know, we've, like you said, we've got our sea legs on us. We know where to go to get solid data to, to back up everything that we're saying and, and stick together and make things happen.
4: How difficult is it? I mean, you're going to have about a, a new third of uh, the House coming in. Uh, you got a few new senators coming in, but basically the House is uh, where a, a big change comes. How, how how long does it take to get those people you know, kind of up to speed.
3: Well, you know, I will tell you that we probably had the best freshman class I have seen come into the house last year. I'm telling you, uh, Delia Hall, Kendon Underwood, uh, Josh Bryan who's now going already going to the Senate. We have a great class, so I think that we can build on what we did with those. We will divide up the caucus into different groups, and they have a mentor for each one of the new people coming in. And we can, uh, as we sit together as a caucus and give them information as we go. I already have new uh, caucus members calling me wanting to know how I feel on different things and giving them some education. So we've got a few members that have been. There there for a while they can help our new, new folks catch on quickly. I think we've got probably with some of the strongest conservatives, conservative legislature we've had in a while. I agree with you. We've had some great wins. I'm, I'm excited about next session.
4: Now, There's some big wins, I believe, coming up in January and February. Well, just during the next general uh, session that's coming up. I just think there's going to be things tackled that have never been tackled before here in this state. So let, Let's talk about uh, the governor that we have right now. He's wanting to have a special session How are you feeling about that?
3: we can stick to what we're talking about cutting taxes i am all on board we need to get our, our families are hurting dave i don't have to tell you that small businesses are hurting we're, we're struggling out here with with the fuel prices the way they are and the inflation is just going i i've had more price i can't even keep up with the price increases i've had here at bentley plastic so things are going crazy we've got to get those tax cuts that we've already talked about we planned on them let's just put them in them now uh immediately to get those tax cuts moving forward to help people survive through this inflation period that we've got going so as far as anything else other than that i'm I'm hesitant because i want us to be very thorough in what we do look at the long-term outcome of things that we're doing but i'm definitely on board with cutting taxes immediately uh that we have already planned on and discussed we'll get our income taxes down where they need to be all
4: right we're going to come back talk further with mary let me just tell you i know that we're in the south but you got to listen fast when mary's on it's just <laughs> got things to do dave <laughs> <laughs> she'll say a lot in a very short period of time mary bentley state representative is our guest we'll be back with more with her in just a moment i need to remind you about hillcrest designer jewelry and what uh, eric coleman's doing on uh, over there and and how he will design jewelry for you but let me let me just talk about being a full-service jeweler for a moment. When you go see Eric, he can do the repairs for you. He can talk to you about designing a piece. He can show you different things that he has in his cases. He can show you all kinds of free diamonds and colored gemstones that he has. He has everything you need for him to be your full-time, complete home Jeweler. All you need to do is stop by and see him. He's open from Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. He's located at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard in Suite E. When he's there, he'll buzz you in. You go on in. And let me tell you what, Eric likes people. He likes to talk to people. He likes to communicate with people. And he will do that dealing with jewelry. If you've got uh, you know estate jewelry, he'll be happy to look at that. He'll be happy to, to appraise it uh, for you. Happy to buy it from you or happy to trade with you. Take the jewelry that you're bringing in and use it against jewelry that he has on display. You can do all of that at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Now, if you want to call him, set up a time where you can sit down with him one-on-one, talk to him about uh, you know, designing something for you, use this number, 501-246-3655. That's 501-246-3655. And last thing I want to mention to you, if you're looking for an engagement ring, Maybe even making an engagement ring or buying a wedding band set. You want to talk to Eric because he's going to save you money on doing it with him. At least, I believe at least 20% from any other jewelry shop here in the area. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Kavanaugh Boulevard, Sweet E in Little Rock back with you mary bentley's with us for this uh total for this uh uh meeting today uh on the dave Ellswick show sorry about that my phone just went off and i'm i was listening to grassley he was talking about in the judiciary committee i don't know exactly what's going on there but uh mary is joining us today for this hour of the dave ellswick show and we've already covered a little bit of area as far as they are getting ready uh, for the uh, of course uh, general assembly that will start in january i will be over there broadcasting uh, for the general assembly as as well as i have in the past we haven't been able to do it for the last couple of years this year will be over there and i may have a a special uh, guest host with me as well and uh, working on that and if it is it it'll make our coverage even better but i'll be on in the morning and then again i'll be on in the afternoon each day for a couple of hours keep everybody up to date that's an important thing people people like that don't they mary
3: well, I tell you, Dave, yeah, I tell everybody that you're the reason I'm in politics. One of the reasons I started listening to uh, Rush Limbaugh and right after that came on Dave Ellswick and I began to understand what was going on at our state on the state level. So thank you for that. Thank you for keeping our constituents informed. People love to know, and I love it. I can tell my constituents all the time, I'm a much better legislator if you'll be engaged and involved and let me know. I can't be on top of everything as much as I try, but if they can be engaged and involved in things that matter to them and let me know what's going on, I'm a lot better legislator. So thank you for what you did to help to keep my constituents informed of what's happening at the state capitol. Well,
4: you do a good job. I mean, I love having you on because... Yeah, it's like you say you're engaged with your people you know what they need and what they want and uh, you bring it forth over there at the uh in, in in the house and again i want to go back and talk about what the republican women have done i had robin lundstrom on uh a, a little over a week ago it was great talking to her again and talking to julie mayberry uh i I'm trying to get Missy on. I've talked to her. She's going to be on I think next week. But you all what? you guys looked at things that needed to be done and uh you came up with your own, you know, basic uh group of issues that you wanted to to uh to to tackle. Are you guys doing that again uh for this uh, next uh, session that you'll be having?
3: I'm sure that we will. We were, have all been, you know, just totally absorbed in this primaries, and now that the primaries are over, we will definitely get together and be ready in January with our with our dream big list, for sure. I no, have no doubts about that, and I'm so thankful for Robin uh, take, tackling the safe act. I can't think of anything, you know, so many things going on, but to keep our children safe, her to be willing to take that on early you know for a lot of us even knew what was going on she was engaged and involved in really to get that to be the only state that passed it, i'm so proud of our arkansas legislature and the proud of the people that elected those those folks to be in office to get that safe act passed
4: so let's uh, turn our attention to 2023 a little bit i mean i i know you don't want to get out in front of uh, the new governor you won't won't want to be taking away any of her thunder have has she had any meeting with uh, you ladies about what she's hoping to do when she becomes governor
3: she has been meeting with all of us i'm just i'm really you know very thankful for her being yes we're already meeting on things that are important like i said the the more time i spend with her the more excited i get dave about what we can do in arkansas for arkansas in 2023 i think she's ready to make bold moves she's ready to listen to be to for us all to work together which i you know i'm excited about I, I just you know uh, to have a governance really want to have the same values and the focuses that you 've got it 's really exciting to see, so I think that we 'll do some great things with with Um, uh, the dream big team will for sure so I think that we 're going you know there 's education things that we 're going to look at there 's healthcare things um, that we 're going to work on I know that we all want to to look at where we are at the bottom. Arkansas, a number of us, I have been engaged and involved for sure with maternal mortality and our infant mortality, being a registered nurse before. I've already worked on a number of pieces of legislation, and we're looking at where can we do to keep moving that forward to get Arkansas healthier. We've just we've got to focus on that, Dave. It's really important. So I have been so frustrated during this pandemic to see us not taking care of people anywhere near like we could have. And we could talk a long time on that issue, but I think that we have <laughs> people have, have woken up a little bit to, you know, We've got to help our local physicians and we've got to all focus on getting healthier. There's, so a, l- there's a, a
4: lot problem more problem. out there yeah. than just masks and shots, right?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, there is. And I tell you, you know, I think we've, all of us have experienced now, I'm sure. And just about everyone's experienced it with their family members. I can look at my, my mom and my stepdad and what happened there. And, uh, you know, when you can get ivermectin, you can get the monoclonal antibodies, you can get quick treatment. Um, even someone that's 90 years old and has AFib and non-oxygen, you can sell right through uh, COVID. And others that go a different route and get in the hospital and get some other stuff and are prohibited from getting that end up dead. You know, and I'm just, I'll just that's my personal experience. And so I can uh, state my personal experience of what I've seen personally.
4: Well, we've all gone through it. It was not pleasant. It uh, it cost some of us. Well, it cost me five family members. I mean, it's it's difficult, but we made it. Is, it yeah. we're, we're on the other side of it now.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, I want us to learn from that and just to work together. I just, you know, I think you and I both saw that it was so polarizing, so political. Mm -hmm. Everything was that to hurt Trump, not to take care of Americans and to get uh, to get Americans healthy. And so I think we've got to learn from that mistake and to listen to positions and to have options for folks, because that's America freedom. You know, we need to have freedom in that area too to see what we think is best for our families to look at the risks. And the benefits and weigh them out with our personal position and make the best choices for us. And so that's, you know, we've got to learn from those mistakes and move forward in Arkansas.
4: Well, if, from what I'm hearing from all the different elected re- representatives that I've had on my show thus far, I would have to say these four issues seem to be the biggest one one, taxes, two, yes, sir. education, three, mm-hmm law enforcement and four health those seems to be the the four that i'm hearing and uh, a fifth one is is starting to police out there i i do believe but let's talk a little bit about taxes uh i'm down to about two and a half minutes in this first half hour so we'll just start scratching the surface here but uh it seems like the new governor that will be coming in, one of the things that she wants to move is to move very deliberately towards getting rid of the income tax.
3: Yes, I agree. I think we can make some big strides, but I think we need to be very, you know, we can't ignore the fact that we're already in a recession, Dave. So I want right. to be looking at that and to be wise about it. I think we can do that. I think we can make some good moves, but also be wise about what we're doing. I think. Uh, so we can make that I I would love for us in this special session to get down to three point to get down to 4.9 so that we can easily go to 3.9 or 2.9 even on this income tax and make some big steps so let's make this one here in august and then make another one in January I think I think it's great but just be smart about it and we can cut spending on the state level I see that without a doubt we can do that
4: all right so I and, got and I got to ask case. you this now you and I have known each other for a long time uh, I'll ask you the question you'd answer it when we come back from the break, all right, and that is do you believe that the House and the Senate, the Republicans, really have an appetite? to make cuts in spending we've always talked about cuts in taxes but if you really want to get serious about it you got to make cuts in spending so let's talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick show we got just a little bit of time here that I can talk to everybody and tell you a little bit about east end towing and that they want to be able to help you in whatever position you find yourself on the side of the road maybe it's your car that broke down. Uh, Maybe it's a trailer that your boat's on. Maybe it's a camper that you're pulling. All of those are different circumstances, but they all have the same uh, reality you got to figure out how you're going to get moving again. And East End Towing uh, can get that first step taken where you get that car, you get that trailer, you get that camper over to someplace where they can repair it. No matter the situation, the folks at East End Towing can handle it, and they have the answers for you. Call East End Towing, 501-888-8849. That's 501 888 Eighty-eight, forty-nine. all right when we come back more with mary bentley state uh, uh legislator state house we'll talk with her on the dave ellswick show and we're going to talk about what's coming up in 2023 all right if you just joined us uh we're being joined today during this last hour of the show And uh, talking with Mary Bentley, she's a state representative. Mary has been instrumental in seeing a lot of different programs uh, brought to fruition and passed into law here in the state of Arkansas. So I want to talk to her about what she's thinking about 2023. Uh, We're less than six months away from the General Assembly getting together and uh, starting to put together uh, what they want to do for the future of this uh, of uh, of of our state and i kind of left her uh with a question out there and that is is the state uh, house and the state senate are are they willing to make cuts in state spending because if you really want to get down to it to if you want to reduce taxes you got to reduce some of the the duplicity that you may have in programs and things of that nature And mary what what say you
3: I say that we have the best chance I've seen since I've been there, Dave, to do it this next year. So I know that we, um, Representative Rickbeck, um, even when we're doing the transformation, right, going from 40 state uh, secretaries down to 16, which we have now, just asking each one of those 16 secretaries to cut their budget by 1% would be a huge step. And, you know, we could go, i would we have to go for 10%. But I've been there long enough, Dave, to see that we have, uh, we can do it. I'm just going to say that that we can do it. We're going to have to be uh, very data-driven on that to show uh, folks that we can do it without hurting services to constituents. But we've, you know we've come a long way the past 20 years with technology and different things that we can do. We can see that we can do more uh, online than we did before and on, you know, different different areas of that. So I believe without a doubt that we can cut some spending and I think we can do it all as a package and, and make, make things happen in our state to cut taxes like we need to. Well,
4: in, you know, 20
3: without, without cutting services. You yeah. Because we're looking at, you know, that's what, when you said education and law enforcement, we've, those things that we need to, to look at that and make some big changes on in education and I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of money to make some big changes to make a lot of difference but in law enforcement we've got to be willing to those guys that are putting their lives on the line out there they've got to be getting more money I, We know we're in a crisis in perry county where we had a young deputy get shot a couple of weeks ago and I'm, I'm working out of trying some funding there but we have got to pay our deputies more and get them better training and that's without a doubt we have to do that but we can do that and cut some of the areas where we don't need to be spending as much money we do have duplicate things being done with the department of health and um arkansas department of health and dhs those two things i think those areas that we can combine things and cut some spending
4: all right so let me let me jump in you brought up law enforcement let me keep it there just for a moment the uh uh gentleman on the republican side who's working for uh to be ag is lieutenant uh, governor tim griffin i had him on just last week we talked about do we need a new prison here in the state of arkansas we talked about you know uh uh, reform as far as uh, our criminals that are, are in interned right now. Uh, what What is your thing? First of all, let me just ask, do you think that we need a new prison here in the state?
3: I'm not sure it has to be here. We can hook up with Texas. We need more prison space. I, without a doubt, say that. I want to look at the best way that we can do that. You know, I think some private companies that came out of Texas that gave us some reports could do do it cheaper than we could do it here. But we need more prison beds, without a doubt. We have got, you know, I don't know if you heard the story here of our young deputy that was shot here in Perry County, 21-year-old gentleman shot by a a gentleman that was 37 years old that committed murder at 17, and he was paroled after 18 years, and a year, you know, a little over a year after that, he's already doing domestic violence, and a year after that, he's shooting one of our deputies in the jail, so i all about is making sure there's some people that, you know, we've got to look at prison reform. I don't think we're doing near enough in prison as far as drug addiction, those things, and getting getting God to a few more people. Dave. I think there's a lot better uh, programs than we're doing as far as drug rehabilitation goes in our prison system. So I think we need to look at that as well. But we have got to make more space and do more reforms while people are there. Because if somebody was in there for 18 years and came out and immediately went to rights of drugs and, and violence, then we're not doing a good job.
4: Okay. Now, the lieutenant governor says something has to be looked at as parole, that, a lot, that the people that are coming out of prison... Uh, and you get this cyclical thing going that you can only keep them for mm-hmm. X amount of time, and things of that nature. That that's got to be uh, changed up. He says the first thing somebody who breaks the law asks if they tell they tell them to go into jail. They say, "Am I going to a federal prison or am I going to state prison?" Because they know state prison, they're not going to be incarcerated as long as they will in a federal prison.
3: Well, you know, our parole system is a mess. We don't ha- we have so many. Uh nowhere near enough parole officers out there to take care of the people that we have. We need to get you know, when they get offended, instead of going back in, they're just getting slapped on the wrist. So we've got to be able to, once they commit a crime when they're on parole, we've got to make parole tougher, but also offer more things to help those parole officers out there. And again, a better job on drug treatment, because that's a lot of what we got out there, Dave, you know, with meth and fentanyl and all that we have going on and opioids and all that, we've got to focus on that and spend more money on good treatments that are making a difference in the lives of our our parolees. parolees.
4: I know I talked with uh, Robin Lundstrom. She said there's got to be a program to help people that have small businesses that are looking for workers to make it worth their time to perhaps look at people who have been released from prison to hiring them.
3: Sure. I think, you know, People, putting people to work and getting them busy is a great thing, and get you know, changing their for their frame of mind. You know, it's a cyclical thing. We just have got to look at some. I think I think Robin's great so get to get get some new, fresh ideas. And what we can do to get people to work, we've got people desperate looking for employees right everywhere. I don't think you can talk to a single employer out here that doesn't need some new employees. So if we could make something happen there and do some requirements on drug treatment and those kind of things, I think we could make a difference for sure. Michael, nothing's going to happen overnight, but we've got to look at bold new ideas. So yeah.
4: By the way, something that I, I heard yesterday, a gentleman talking about uh, businesses looking for workers, is that he said that over uh, the COVID uh, time, that perhaps uh, here in America, the belief of the, the goodness of getting out there and working and, and having a job, some that some of that has kind of broken down in our country. Would you agree with that?
3: I I would agree with that. When I look at, um, I've talked, you know, I make a point, Dave, to go to each one of my school districts and to talk with students and to visit with them. And there's, we have a lot of opportunities out there for young students to get out of high school, go to trade school. We have many opportunities out here for kids to go to, to, you know, go to training for nine months and get a great job. But I'm telling you, they just look at me like, you know, a calf out of a gate and have no too many of them have absolutely no desire to, you know, make themselves better to do a small amount of education and, and get a better job. I just, you know, it's a whole whole cultural thing that we have got to work on it and, and pray to God for some wisdom and some things that we can do differently in our schools to get our kids excited you know, I think kids are just it was bad before the pandemic, but the pandemic's made it even worse that so there's just no no hope for the future. They're despondent. They're depressed um, and no desire, you know, to move out of home. Boy, I couldn't wait. I was working before, long before I ever left the house to get some money to get things. And well, when I was 18, I was gone. I was off to college <laughs> and I was never back. But, you know, it's just not that. Kids don't even want to get their driver's license. It's yeah. the craziest thing I've seen in my life. So we, we've got to take a step back and look and say, okay, what can we do to make a difference? And there's not one answer. There's not one solution. But I guarantee we can pray about it. and We can all work together and make things better. And we've got to do that first for, us, for us, right. our, our students and for our whole state.
4: All right, we've got to get our final break in, Mary, and then we'll come back and we'll deal with the, uh, the subject that I always like to keep for last because there's a lot to be said about it, and that's education. I'm excited about education because I think that this governor is willing to do some new things, and there's, there's, some, there's some different changes that are happening in America that are sweeping across our country. Let's talk about that when we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. Mary Bentley is our guest, state representative here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about if you're looking for security for your home or for your business, uh, you need to talk with Billy Mack and the folks at ICU Protection. Billy Mack's the owner. He'll come out and talk to you about what is it that you need or you think you need for the security of your home or your uh, business. Maybe you're saying, hey, I I need a bunch of cameras, and maybe he'll say, yeah, you could use some cameras, but maybe you only need two. You don't need four. That's what he told me. So I just got two now. And uh, I feel a lot better about the security of my home. I've got my door and window sensors. Uh, I've got a doorbell camera now. uh, Motion detection sensors. The analytics that... Uh, takes place uh, within the sensor, uh, system. It gives you true detection to tell you if it's a person, an animal, or a car that's being detected, and uh, it just does. It just it gives you a lot of peace of mind. Same thing for your your business, and or it comes right up on your uh, your uh, smartphone. You can see these 1080p cameras. They're as clear as a bell. You can see if it's somebody you're uh, happy to see, or maybe it's somebody you're wondering why you're seeing them, but anyway. Well, you'll see them on your security system. Call them at 501-205-1333. That's 501-205-1333. Remember, ICU Protection does Nuke One. If they do Nuke One, they can do your home as well. And also remember, you pay for the service. You do not pay for the hardware. That is yours to keep, and it is free. Pay for the service, not the hardware. Billy Mack and ICU Protection. All right, let's finish up uh, with our conversation here uh, with Mary Bentley. Mary, there's a, a story on THV Eleven's uh, website today, and uh, it's talking about no matter what school district you look at, Arkansas education uh, educators have said that the pay simply isn't enough anymore. Uh, so when I'm 30 years in at my district. I will only make $46,000 a year, a teacher said, her last name being Nut. She mentioned that money is always on the top of everyone's mind, including hers, especially when she says, I can go across state lines and make more money. Uh, You know, I understand what they're saying, but my question is, how much money is enough money in a state like Arkansas?
3: I think you hit the nail on the head, Dave, and I want to do a little report myself to see where we are, where the salaries in the state of Arkansas compared to other salaries around us, what the average salary is. So, we're, you know, we're a state that it, we are, you know, costs a little less to live in Arkansas than it does in other states. And, I, you know, so we've got to look at that as well. I want us to do bold changes before we do any more money. I know that you know that every year we have been, as I've been in office, every year I've been in office, we have raised teacher pay. We've raised the amount of money going to teacher salaries on the matrix. Unfortunately, superintendents out there and school boards are not giving teacher raises. Even though we vote for them, they're spending the money elsewhere. Administrative costs, I don't know if you've seen a recent report out there that our administrative costs in Arkansas schools have gone up by 88%. When we have you know, when we have superintendents out there making 150000 hundred and fifty two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. We've got football coaches out there making hundred thousand dollars a year at small schools, we, we have our priorities mixed up. We've got to get back to making getting teachers good salaries and we have to look it's not gonna be something we can solve in a special session. I'm just gonna say that. We've got to do a thorough search i'm all about giving some teacher raises but we've got to make some changes and fix education while we're at it not just make a simple salary adjustment that's not going to fix education in arkansas
4: is it going to have to take you all deciding to tell school systems this money is for teacher salaries not for anybody else
3: yeah something's going to have to change dave and we're going to have to look at all of it across the board and i'm and i'm very frustrated when I look at, and, I, and I, you know, I just, silly me, I just assume we give a teacher raises that it's going straight to the teachers. I couldn't imagine it not. I was just furious when I found out that we have voted for pay raises every year I've been in office and, uh, surrounding school districts in my district have not given teachers raises in up to 10 years. It's crazy. So there's a problem. I agree and we're going to have to fix it. So again, it's not anything we can do in a special session has to be a thorough, very well thought out plan to make some bold changes for us to do that. And I, you know, my, my heart goes out to all of our teachers. I, you know, but everybody's hurting right now. So I think the biggest thing that we can do right now easily that we have well studied is the income tax break that we, that'll help them as well if we can get the income tax break in, that'll give them and everybody that's in my district some help. So let's do that in the special session and let's get to work and really dig into education. I'm committed to spending some time with educators that I know well that are in my district that are good friends of mine. We're going to sit down and really talk, again, what can we do to make some real changes and make things better and get teachers some money that they need. And I agree we need to keep teachers there, but, you know, again, I want to make sure that we're helping everybody across the state. I don't want to, you know, single people out. Make a good overhaul, and let's all work together. And I'm tired of dividing and hatred, and just pitting you know legislators against teachers. That's not that's not going to fix things. We've got to all work together. Because we all love our kids, we care about our kids. There's mental health issues. There's a plethora of things that they're dealing with, and we've got to hear from them. We've got to sit and listen and work together and make some good changes. And that's that's what I'm committed to do between now and January.
4: All right. Last question I'll ask you is this. Across the nation now, West Virginia, Arizona, uh, Louisiana, Iowa, Indiana, we're starting to hear about, in Florida, you're starting to hear about universal open choice. And I've heard that Sarah is uh, very open to open choice, to letting uh Kids go to whatever schools they want to go to. The Supreme Court ruled that that money can follow them to any school they want to go to, any program that they want to ascribe to, and uh, gives them the opportunity uh, to uh, you know, go to the education that helps them the best. What's it look like for, for Arkansas? It, it, are we ready to, to tell the, the school superintendent, say, look, we understand where you're at, but here's where we're going?
3: it's all about the kids and I care about the kids and they're they're the number one focus. And for the children in this state, I think that's our best option. Without a doubt, we've got kids that can learn better in different environments i think the parents need to make the best choice for their children and i'll be you know hoping we can get everybody on board for that dave i think it's time i think we need to all work together and to give us an opportunity to, to make some good changes and the public school system as you know and help parents out i want to give parents that money to make it best i think we can get there um but we're gonna have to all work together we need to make some help our local schools as well we can do it all together i'm, I'm a firm believer in that
4: all right we're out of time I'm going to let you go. I I know that you're ready to go back and, and get on with your day. You've been battling a leak at your house and all kinds of stuff today. You probably want to get over to work and see what's going on over there. I'll let you get get into your normal lifestyle as well. But we'll have you back on on the show before the, the session begins in January. How's that sound to you?
3: That sounds great, Dave. I appreciate it. And, again, thank you for keeping people informed out there. I can't t- thank you enough for all that you do. God bless, and uh, we'll keep praying for our state, and things are looking up.
4: All right. We appreciate you. Thanks so much, Mary, Mary Bentley, who is right. a state uh, representative, taking the time out to talk to us today on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, this is a time uh, at 9 o'clock that I'm using to uh, talk with people uh, about uh, what's going on uh as far as everybody's getting ready i know we haven't had the election coming up uh it's it's pretty foregone uh, that we're going to have a very solidly a conservative Republican uh, group of uh, state uh, legislators uh, in the House and as well as in the Senate, and uh, they they're talking, they're conversing, they're uh, talking with Sarah and her people, they're talking amongst themselves, making up their minds what it is that they want to do in this next session because they've got a lot of things. Uh, looking them in the face, to be honest with you, uh, just to let you know. In that hour that we had, Marion we talked about taxes. She's hoping the special session maybe take the income tax down to four point nine percent. Maybe at the during the session, get it down to three point nine percent, or a little lower if they can find some cuts that they can do. To lower, uh, the lower uh, the the income tax here we talked about uh, law enforcement helping uh, you know the the law enforcement people the, the the people that are dressed in blue and and go out there and and do the job every day and put you between uh, the bad guy and yourself we talked about parole we talked about probation we talked about hiring uh, people coming out of out of prison we talked about building a new jail we talked about uh, you know, a new prison about, about uh, jail space and things of that nature, uh, and then we talked about education, and that uh, that sounds like it's going to be a huge, huge area that will be addressed uh, during the next next session. Uh, the uh, pay increase for teachers uh, in the special session sounds like it's lost a little bit of its of its uh, impetus uh, because look. If the uh, legislators say we're going to give a pay increase and uh, they they have this extra money that's in the rainy day fund and they're going to use that to to uh, back it. Problem is, is that a year or two down the line now, the school district has to uh, make that money up somehow to be able to uh, offer Uh, those uh, to continue those raises for the teachers i will go along with what mary said i want to point out she said something very important 10 years she's been a legislator she's voted on teacher pay raises every two years and that money hasn't gotten to the teachers it's been in the administration that has to change no, I got to change. I got I to move on because I've got to get off the air right now. We've got more of great talk coming your way here on 101. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. And, uh, of course, we'll have uh, Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman on tomorrow to talk to us as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You have a great day.